The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. Hi, I'm Ken Crowther and this is the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. Don't forget you can subscribe to this podcast on BBC Sounds. This week is an interesting programme and we've been taking your calls on everything from Fertinia, Red Robin, Birds of Paradise and a couple of calls about apple trees. We've also got some top tips on things you can be getting on with in the garden, plus plant of the week. We go straight to your calls now and this week we start with Keith in Bishop Stortford. Good morning, Ken. Hi. Yes, um, I had my garden landscaped um, in April and I had some Leylandi um, taken out, which had, uh, were past their best, um, causing lots of trouble, even though I tried to keep them trimmed. So they were all dug out, and I had it replaced with the uh, Fatidia red robin trees. Um, yes. 15 of them, just to try and cover the fence. Um, and the landscape company put them in. They, they come from a nursery. They looked absolutely fine when they came in. Um, and only recently, I've just noticed that the leaves... Um, most of them, the majority of them, have red-brown spots on them. Some, they've sort of shriveled up altogether like autumn leaves, and others have got holes in them where it looks as though they've been eaten by something. Um, right, OK. Um, so they're not happy? They're not, they're not happy, happy at all? No, not at the moment. Right. Is there now anything my... I can do? Or... Well, do you know, just a bit of preliminary, I know they, they planted them properly. They planted them with something decent compost because the trouble is that the land eye will have starved that ground completely. Did they take the roots of the land eye out as well? Yes. That's yes. good. That's very good. Um, but the, the ground where the land eye would have been will actually be starved of just about every food that you could possibly think of. So yeah. did some nutrients go back in there? Did, did compost go back in? Did they get yes, planted? Um, compost, yep. manure, um, fertiliser. Excellent. Try and give them a good start. Good. That's good. That's um, good. The, the only thing over the other side of my fence, uh, a fence, my neighbours have got a red robin, or just one plant which they've just let grow. It's about twelve foot tall. I don't know whether they might have picked up the disease from that. Or... Right. No. I no. What what you basically got is it's a fungal inf it's a fungal infection. The spot, the spotting, the brown spotting on a um, on a fetinia is just a what they call fetinia spot. Um, yes. It's like you get spot on roses, but they're all different. They're all different diseases that go to different plants. So it's not come from roses. It will have come from next door. It might have done, or it could just have been on the plant when you bought it. And because the plant has gone through a stressful time, which it might have done, yeah? Yes. It's picked it up. Now, has it got, the question is, has it got new growth? That's yes, what, yeah, there, there seem to be new red buds um, coming that, through. So right. Apart from that, it looks quite healthy. But That's your real worry. Now, what could have happened is, did they? do you think they dried out a little bit through the summer period? Um, I, I kept them well watered. I, was, I wasn't away or anything. And no, then, that's good. Yeah, so. No, I mean, they're all the important things. What I would suggest is do nothing with them now other than where the leaf has uh, dropped, uh, clear the leaf completely because it's very important that you, you get rid of you know, dead leaf because the leaf will have the spot on it and yes. if it's fungal, you're better off just to get rid of them, yeah? Yes. So if you do that anyway, and then in the spring, give them um, give them a bit of a, a liquid feed, something like a maxi crop or, or a good foliar feed and pour spray or pour that all over the leaf of the plant and it gives them a bit of an extra boost. Right, yes. 
Uh, still doesn't stop you putting a general fertiliser along the bottom, something like a grow more, uh, but give them that extra little bit on the top as well. And I think you'll find it will grow out of it. Spot is something that particularly comes onto red robins when they're under a bit of stress. Yes. Okay. Would would the um, obviously we've had a lot of rain recently. Um, so I, I did look some stuff up on the internet, but I, I wanted your expert advice mm. um, as well. Would, would the wet weather have not helped? The only the only thing is they don't like sitting in. There are two things they don't like. They don't like sitting in water, and they don't like drought. No. So either end of the spectrum, fertinias aren't happy with. I mean, I remember uh, uh, somebody talking to me about them in the States and the same thing was happening. You know, this this person lived in, I think they lived in Texas. And I said, well, are they mulched? Are they wet? No, they're not. Well, if, if you know, if a plant is putting up with that sort of stress, it will produce spot. Yeah? Yes. Equally, if their roots are sitting in water, they won't like that. But, yeah. okay, we've had a fair bit of rain, but it's not a, it, it goes, doesn't it, in your garden? Yes. It yeah. doesn't lay there like a... No. No, a bog. No, no, it's, no, it's, it's not, not a problem. Bad. Even though the soil is quite clay, but so I've tried to break it down with um, compost and um, you know manure. I've, I've also put some um, bark chips around the base, although I haven't put them right to the root of the tree. I've left you about can. four inches around. No, but... you can go right up to the tree. It's not a all problem right. at all. Okay. Oh, yeah. Lovely. Thank you very much. That's all right. And. Uh, Look after them in the spring, not too early. Wait till spring has arrived, because we don't know when spring will arrive each year, do we? (laughs) But wait till the cold sort of weather has gone and then react after that. Okay. Lovely. Thank you very much, Ken. Pleasure. No problem. That's Keith in Bishop's Dorford. And we go to... Is it Shalini? Speaking. Hi. Bird of Paradise. What you got? Bird of Paradise. Have you grown it yourself or bought it? No, I had grown it myself. Would you oh, believe it? Fantastic. Yes. I had some seeds given to me. I put it down. It's grown. Mm-hmm. But now it's stressing. Right. And some of the answers you've just answered from the other caller. Yeah. That I think the bird of paradise is a hot tree plant, isn't it? It likes warm conditions. Now, the yes. thing is, where have you mm-hmm. got it? You've got it. You're talking about in the window. In, it's in, in the window. Right. Now, ha- how old is it? How many years has it been there? Three years. Three years. Right. And it's grown okay up until now? Yes. Does it get direct sun? No. Good. But it's getting very good light. I wonder yes. whether... Have you overwatered it? No. You sure? Yes. Because that yeah, I know all the answers now because I was listening to the other call and I'm thinking that's right. Because I the know, worst, did I do that? yeah, the worst thing you can do to a bird of paradise is as the light levels drop, which is now, mm-hmm. um, you overwater it because it can't use the water that you're giving it. Does that make no, sense? I become I I became sparingly is because I thought it's hot, no, it's cold, and I'll put a blanket around it now. That's what I don't now. Uh huh. When I say blanket, it's just like a scarf. Yeah. Just to give it the warmth in its roots. The watering side of it is only spraying, mm. but not even watering it. Right. So maybe if, that's where it is. <coughs> Pardon me. If it's in your if it's in your house mm. and it's in warm conditions, I wouldn't worry that much. I think it should be okay. I don't know that you yeah. need to put a scarf around it. It's in, in a house. I just thought I thought I just get cold and I thought I'll do it too. 
<laughs> I like it. I like it. Give it a bit of give, give it a bit of um, warmth and cuddles. Warmth. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. Bit of a cuddle, exactly. yeah. Um, well, when you were saying about the tree, I wanted yeah. to say, can you hug it? <laughs> you feel like it sometimes. Come on, grow, 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 don't no, you? No, no, no. But do you know, yeah. I recently have seen, you know, in a Greenwich Park in London. Yes, yes. They go around hugging trees. Oh, there's some and, tree huggers there, are there? Yes, and I said, what is this going on here? Yeah. They said, well, the trees like it, and the humans, it helps them there with their therapy. That's I'm right. not so sure. I tried it, but I tell you what, there is something there. You have to, it, it's like all things in life, you have mm-hmm. to believe, don't you? So. And yes, it's about believing. So. It, it's, it's like um, all things. If you yeah. believe that the tree can give you something and you give something to the tree, it will yeah. work for you. If you just exactly. say, I don't know really what they're doing, but I think I'll try hugging a tree, it's not going to work. For, it's not It's not going to work, is it? No, I tell you what, I went um, looking for my chestnuts. I love my chestnuts, right? Yeah. And there's, a, there's so many trees out there you can just, there's so many on the ground you can just pick it. Yeah. And then when I saw that, I thought to myself, what are they doing? It's a bit weird. But I thought to myself, instead of calling them weird, let me try it out myself. Call myself weird afterwards. But now I felt the warmth there. Yeah. There was something there. I don't know what it was, but there well, was something there. It's all like you could talk to it and say, I've got my problems. Can you help me with my problems? Yeah. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Am I so I mad? I think I'm No, 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 no. No, you're not. People talk to plants. <laughs> we all talk to plants. When you're when you're yeah. a gardener, you talk to plants to try and encourage yeah. them. You threaten yeah. them, you do all sorts of things with them to make them grow. Now you just back to your bird of paradise a minute. Um you said that it mm. didn't look happy. Why doesn't it look happy? What do you think's wrong? I mean, are the leaves the are leaves, gone? The leaves are changing colour. It looks it's gone like yellowy. It's not ha- green. Lush. Have they have they all gone green or just the outside ones? No, not green, yellowish. No, sorry. Have the yellow? Is it only the outside that's gone yellow, or no, the? No, the ones, new ones, just coming out. Oh, no, that that's isn't it. good. See, that does sound like overwatering, you know. But I haven't. I haven't oh, no, done it. Haven't Honestly, done I it. promise you, I haven't. Mm. Right. I can't no, suggest I you feed it because it's no good feeding it at this time of year. It will have no no, no. effect at all. So I think no. what you need to do is come back to me in the spring and we'll see if we can help you again if it hasn't cheered itself up. How about that? What do you reckon? How's, how about me springing back to you in spring? That's the one. <laughs> good. And um, if anybody has been a tree hugger, we'd like to hear from them, wouldn't we? Don't you think? I think so. Yeah. Give us a call. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Rubus Copperianus, ornamental bramble. You're thinking, what's he talking about brambles for? Because they're the things that I pick my blackberries from when I'm going blackberrying in the summer. Yes, it's a thorny shrub. Yes, it grows up to two metres to six foot in a year. And it's a native of China and the Himalayas. It is very vigorous. It is spreading. And I've just said, it grows large in height as well. So it needs plenty of room to grow. But what a shrub. It has white stems in winter. Fantastic effect. And if you plant it in the right place, it can look phenomenal. If you want to have a look at a really good one, drive along the road, uh, passing Rittle University College, and on the left of the entrance, by a path, 
there is a great clump of it and it's got red cornus next to it. I tell you what, it's superb in winter. Not so exciting in the summer. Its leaves are just green. It's a cut leaf. Uh, looks fairly similar, but lighter than the brambles that you've been picking your blackberries from. But if you want one that gives you a bit more colour in the summer, there's Rubus copperiana, Golden Vale. Not quite as upright. Uh, still the, the, the stem's colour, but it's a bit floppier. But the leaves make up for it in the summer because they're a lovely golden yellow. So they are very attractive for the summer. It's tough. It puts up with pretty well any soil. Prefers to grow in the sun, but will tolerate light shade. Um, pests and diseases, doesn't really have any problems with that. And all you do is each spring, you cut it down pretty well to the ground. And then you get lovely new stems, which are lovely bright white. They are fantastic. Be careful when you prune it, because if you prune it, um, it's got thorns all the way up the stems. And my word, you've got to wear a good pair of gloves. However, Rubus copperiana, great plant, but seriously, only put it in your garden if you have enough room for it to grow. There you are. Look for something different. Listen out for the shrubs and trees that we give you as suggestions each week here on the podcast. I'm going to talk to Jean from Chelmsford about, about her apple tree. Is that right, Jean? Yes, it is, Ken. Is it new? Old? Tell us more. Older, 70-year-old trees. Oh, how lovely. Um, now it's stopped raining, I'd like to start winter pruning. Yeah. But we've gone straight into frost. How cold can the nights go down to and it still be safe to prune during the daytime? Right. Now, my first question is, have the leaves all fallen off? Yes. That's all right then, because a lot of apple trees, they haven't. I keep looking at apple trees and thinking, I don't know, there's still still leaves on that. I don't know why. Um, I... I wouldn't worry too much. If you've got a frost that lifts in the mornings, like mm. today, I wouldn't particularly worry because that is not a hard enough frost, in my opinion. Does that make sense? It does, yes. If the frost stays all day and all day and all day and it keeps staying there, that's possibly not the greatest time to do your fruit trees. I mean, I must be honest, I do do fruit trees in hard conditions, um, because, well, it's a, it's a job that you can do in cold conditions. And in honesty, I don't know that I've done much damage ever to Chris, to uh, fruit trees doing it. However, remember that you can only do your apple trees. This is a reminder for anybody else, but only apples and pears at this time of the year. Don't do your stone fruits. And I know you'd know that, though, wouldn't you, Jean? Yeah, I haven't got any stone fruits. I've only got apples and pears. Mm. What's the is apple? It... What are the Sorry? apples? What apples have you got? If they're I've old. got Monarch and Laxton Superb. Oh, do you know, my dad had a Laxton Superb. Um, they are a fantastic apple. Are they still on the tree or have you picked them yet? Uh, I had none this year on the oh, tree. Right. I'm not sure what was going on. I, I, Whether it's biennial bearing, I don't know. But I No, did, it is. It's a biennial. I did thin it, I did thin it last year, yep. but basically there was there was nothing to pick from the Laxton. No, it's a biennial, and I think it's a tip bearer, not a spur bearer. I think it's a tip bearer. Ah. Uh, which means that if you thinned it back hard, you might have cut off the tips. 
but it is generally it's a biennial. I remember my dad used to get, you know, we used to, it was a big tree, I mean, a big tree because he, we didn't have them on dwarf stocks in those days. No. I mean, it was big and I used to climb up to pick the apple for him. Yeah. And in fact, you'd get 12 apples one year and the next year you'd have three or four boxes of them. And that's, yes. that's how regularly as clockwork. And my mum used to, they used to wrap them in newspaper and used to put them in the loft and she'd get down a box at a time and put them in the garage and she ate an apple every morning, my mum, and she made those last nearly till the Worcesters started in the spring. Yeah, well, the Monarchs will keep. I can keep Monarchs in the garage through till yeah. April. That's impressive, isn't it, as well? Yeah. But I always That's like an New- old Essex apple as well. It is indeed. And New- I mean, Newton Wonder I just like because they were multi-purpose. You can cook them, eat them, do what you like with them, can't you? You can do that with Monarch. It matures oh, to an eater. Oh, right. It's another one that you can put in the oven and have baked apple then, yeah? Yes. <laughs> yeah, but... Laxton, but is Laxton a big... is 20-foot high with a 25-foot spread. I can believe it. So, basically, you, you've thinned it rather than, than chopped it sort of thing. Yeah, well, well I, I chop it, but sort of... I really need some expert advice on it. So, but I've I've managed to keep them going since since I've been looking after them for about mm. twenty five years. And they're you've, still giving me fruit. Well, you've but done full very of canker now. Well, you've done. They got well. Yes, canker will slowly kill them, but they still produce fruit all the time. They're producing canker, and all you do is cut the canker uh, branches out. And remember that if you cut a canker branch out, to always clean the secateurs or saw because you can move it from section to section of the tree. That's yeah, worth if remembering. If I cut the canker out, I don't think I'd have any tree left. Oh, we'll just leave it alone and enjoy it. How about that, Jean? <laughs> I am. And it is a job to find people who know how to prune fruit trees properly today. Um, lots of gardeners claim to know, but they don't know. And I think that's one of the problems with people's fruit trees today. Yeah, if but... I could find somebody, I would. Mm. I'm now finding it's getting harder and harder and it's getting a... A multi-day chore to do sort of thing. It's, I, I can imagine. It's over a month to do it now. Still, if you enjoy doing it, which it sounds as if you do in a way, you said it's a chore, but it's, it gets you out in the garden and it gives you something to do as well, doesn't it? Hey? <laughs> That's true, Ken. That's true. <laughs> All right, then. Yeah. OK, if, thanks, Ken. Got any more questions, you just give me a call and, and ask me. But yeah. if it's not too cold, get out there and enjoy it. Okay. Well, I'll try and do some later today. Good one. The sun's shining. Yeah. It's a good day for it. Yeah. Thanks. Bye-bye, Jean. That's Jean from Chelmsford asking about apple trees. And we go to Shrewbury. Don't, uh, where are we? Sue from Shrewbury Ness, is it? Yeah, I'm in Shrewbury, darling. Yes, aren't you? Where, what I you... am just. <laughs> what are you asking about today, then? Well, I bought a indoor peace lily. Oh, yes, lovely. And um, I had to repot it because it was going so big. I didn't put it in a great big pot. I just put the next size up. Yeah. Now, the leaves and that are beautiful. They're green, waxy. And I used to give them a little spray in the sink. That's right. During the summer. Mm -hmm. But I've had no lilies. That's because, right, in some ways it's because you've repotted it. That's what I was thinking. Yes, what you've done is you've given it the opportunity to grow. Yeah. Now, it'll grow and it'll produce a lovely lot of new leaf for you. Yeah, which but what it has. it what it won't necessarily do is produce flower. 
Um, they like being pot bound. They like being sort of uh, held held in and congested. Um, yeah. So really, that's what you've got to wait till it fills the pot. It starts to fill the pot. You'll get sunflower next year, I'm sure. Oh well, it it is filling even this pot. As I say, it, it that's was what only you want. a couple of inches bigger than the original. Okay, well I that thought, I know not to put it in. A great big pot, too much. Yeah, that's and what I you... was wondering, do they have to have ericaceous compost? No, just a good houseplant compost would work for them oh, quite yeah. well. Well, yep. well, that's what I've done. You've done it right then, haven't you? Well, I haven't got any lilies, darling. There's no leaves? Lilies. Oh, lilies, lilies. no, but I said you've potted it, it's growing, enjoy it as a green plant, it will Come next year. Oh, I see. It's because you've repotted it, it's putting its strength into growing and not into producing flour. Gotcha. Also, gotcha. if you reduce the water a bit in the spring as well, you're more yeah. likely to induce flour and perhaps give it a bit of tomato food as well. How well, about that's that? That's what I was going to do now. No, no. Tomato food, but no. no. No, don't feed until spring. Okay, my darling. All right then. Okay. Yep, Take lovely. Care. Good I to hear. I love you. your show, by the way. Thank you very much, Sue. That's very nice to hear from oh, you. I really do. Good. Well, we try, we try hard here at BBC Essex to give you all the gardening answers that you require. Uh, someone's written and said, can you play Holly in the Ivy? No, we don't do music on this programme. We can't play Holly in the Ivy. Oh, and just a little note, I must say. Good old armchair gardener, Chris. He's at it again. Did well with his raspberry canes this year, but thinking of Christmas, should I be protecting the candy canes from the frost? Thank you, Chris. What a gem you are. I'm not going to say any more. Um, right, now we've got a email from Adrian Peters. I have two bushes in my garden which are cotoneaster. This year they appear to be dying, but if you scrape the bark, it's green underneath. Uh, they have given us good service. 19 years, we particularly like them as they're covered with bees and all summer, and if a chance of saving them, if not, could you recommend a variety to us to purchase? We can put them in the same position. Um, the Cotoneaster has died against the wall, but it hasn't died where it's coming out from the wall. What I would personally do, I would cut it back... Uh, you can cut it. You could cut it back now. It wouldn't hurt, and you will get. You should get new growth from it. So that's what I would do. Cut it back now. See whether you get new growth in the spring. Um, it's interesting. It looks like you got. Is it a tap? A tap behind the area that's died. Do you let it drip? Does the tap drip? Because it could be damaging the root. That's a thought for you, although the Hebe in the front looks quite healthy. So they are. Cotoneaster, cut it back, see how it grows in the spring, and if not, uh, just tear it out and replace it, because quite honestly, it's done well. You've had your money's worth out of that one, haven't you? Um, we also, funny enough, have got an, a note from... Uh, Who's this one? Let's have a look. We've got another email. Just a reminder of that phone number while I'm doing some emails is 0800 111 Rob from Stanford La Hope has said, and I'll read you. It's a nice, it's a nice story. Listen to the show every week via the podcast. Best gardening programme in the UK. 
Tree shown in the picture is my dad's garden. My mum and dad planted it in the 60s. By late 70s, he was, he was climbing it. The tree is old and delicate now, but there looks like there is new shoots from the ground. Second picture, not too clear, but the shoot near the fence, believe, is the same plant. In the spring, the tree flowers and it has berries in winter. Um, lost her mum, sadly, and now looking after their garden. Would love to have a memory established in my own garden. Can I ask what the tree is? Well, the trouble is, uh, from the pictures you sent me, uh, Rob, it looks like a cotoneaster, which is why it follows on nicely from the last email. Um, but it's not that clear and Cotoniaster has a very, very large family. So if um, if you if you go to a good garden centre and look at all the different Cotoniasters, that's what I'd like you to do, or look it up on on the web. Have a look at the different Cotoniasters and have a look and see whether you can see it anywhere there. I think that's what it is. I think the one at the fence is off your plant, and you might be able to lift that one because they do self-seed. The birds pick the, pick the berries and drop the seed. I think that's what you've got there. It's got no spines on it, therefore it's not a pyracantha, and the leaf is wrong for the pyracantha. So what we'll have a look at is see whether it's a cotoneaster. And can you come back to me? I'd love to know, Rob, whether I, we've got it right here at BBC Essex for you. So they are. Give us, um, give us a call back or drop me a line as you listen to the podcast and we can go from there. So they are. That's what I'd like to hear from you. I'll be back to your gardening questions in a little while, but right now on the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, I've got some top tips on things you could be getting on with in the garden. Now, you might think these are a bit boring, but they're things that really need to be done. I went to a garden the other day and started to blow and rake the leaf off the lawn. And, you know, two weeks that was, and the lawn underneath had gone yellowy. So it's so important that you don't let leaf lay. So get the leaves off the garden, try and compost them, or make leaf mould with them. Don't waste them at all. And remember that some of the things like oaks, beech, are very hard to break down. If you've got a lot of them and the weather is dry enough, why not use your rotary mower, set it high, and just suck them up into the box it'll chop them up for you and it makes much much better compost so they are there's something you should be getting on with at this time of the year it's also a reminder that if you put all the leaf in you can mix up the summer compost with it and you get a much better compost so mix your compost at this time of the year is not anything that you should worry about if it's this year's compost because as it goes through next year it will form really really good compost so they're my things for the week. Get the leaf off the bed as well, unless you're not worried about it. And if you push it at the back, you can always leave some of the leaf in a wide bed at the back of the bed and then just keep forking it over lightly. And I tell you what, it'll rot down and you can lose it as, use it as a mulch at the back of the bed. So they are, if, if you're a bit of a lazy gardener, that is. If not, get them out, get it sorted and get the garden looking nice. And don't forget, if you're working in the beds, just edge them off with a pair of edging shears and it will make them look really smart and go along the edge with a hoe. The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. We've had one from Morris uh, from Old Harlow and he said, 
He's got a 20-year-old rose that was um, particularly uh, was particularly put in by he and his wife and therefore it's quite sentimental to him. And he says that uh, he would like to move it to... He's going to a, a smaller bungalow and he wonders whether... Uh, I could, he could move it. It's 20 years old. Now, the problem's going to be that, in all honesty, that it's not going to have much root. Now, the thing, it, well, it will have a root, but it'll have a thick root and it won't have much else. So we have a problem there because the problem with roses is that they don't actually um, produce a lot of fibrous roots and, therefore, they're very difficult to move when they're that age. I wouldn't... Um, if it's you're moving, it's a risk worth taking. Also, if you knew the name of the rose, you could possibly buy another one. So there's another thought for you. Uh, so there's there's plenty of things you can do around it, but you really want to try and move that rose. Dig it up any time from now on. Dig it up with as much root as you can. Perhaps get a friend or a colleague to dig it up with you, and that could, that would help you. And you could actually do quite a good job. Um, it's, it's just, it's important that you dig it up with as much root as possible. Get a polythene bag, a heavy polythene bag, and slide it on that polythene bag, then pull the polythene bag up, tie it up at the top, and try and move it. Cut it down low before you move it, down to about 18 inches, and you should be able to... Um, sorted out from there. Now, something that I came across um, this, well, I think it was this week. Um, when I used to be more involved with Christmas trees in the old days, uh, quite honestly, most of the trees came from abroad. A lot of Christmas trees came from abroad. But today, we're actually getting our act together. You know, farmers get a lot of stick, but remember, Farmers also grow trees. In the old days, they used to plant a few Christmas trees in the corner of a field. Oh, look, there's a bit of spare ground. Rabbits used to go through them. Grass used to grow up them. And they were pretty basic trees. Now, I've got Harry on the line from the Christmas Tree Association. Harry, was that a good description of how Christmas trees were grown in the past? That's right. I think, well, you're going back quite a few years now. Probably, yeah, about tw uh, our, 25, 30. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I think our parents at one time used to uh, probably get the uh, tops off of trees of the Norway spruce and things, but things have come a long way since then, as you say. Now, we've, we've obviously moved on. It's terrible to say that because the Norway spruce, which was, that was the original, wasn't it? That was probably what people regard as being the traditional tree, but... Um, People nowadays want to bring the tree in earlier, so um, most of them have gone across to the Nordman fir. Now, the Nordman fir is a slower grower, isn't it? It's a slower grower, um, but people like it because it has much better needle retention. Yeah, not guaranteed needle retention, but needle retention to a high degree, really, isn't well, it? Yeah, well, well, people often regard it as being non-drop, but um, obviously at some point everybody, or everything drops as we do, really. But you, can, um, you, um, yeah. you, can't, you can't starve a tree of water no. completely, can you? No, no. I mean, if you look after, even the Norway spruce, to be fair, if you, you know, don't bring it in too early and look after it, keep it in water, 
and keep it away from heat sources. That's still a good tree, but people do like... Well, we estimate now that 80% of the trees sold is now the Nordman fir. That's that's a high percentage, isn't it? I mean, yeah, very high. Very high. Yeah. Very high indeed. However, the Norway spruce, let's get, just go back to Norway spruce because it was a bit of a scruffy tree 30 years ago. They they weren't pruned and they're now pruned, fed, really looked after very, very well and farmed on a, a very commercial way, aren't they? They they are. I mean, there's um, I mean, people join the British Christmas Tree Growers Association um, and the members there work together and the quality of the tree has, as you've said, really improved no end over the years, really. I mean, what people don't realise when they're buying their tree is how much work goes into looking after a tree to get it to the standard that people want for their house. That's true. I, I mean, I know some people um, turn up and uh, think that you plant the thing in January and it's ready six foot tall in, uh, in December, but... Um, as you're saying, really, I mean, to get a good tree, you're talking of a good, uh, well, depending on the type, six to ten years for it to grow to um, six to seven foot tall. And it needs pruning and shaping, um, feeding and uh, care, really. It, it's a, it is a crop that needs a lot of cultivation. It, you don't just plant a tree and come back five years, six years later and you've got a tree there. You've got to look after it and shape it. Are there many pests associated with Christmas trees? Because we've heard about a lot of pests coming in from abroad, haven't we? I mean, is there a problem with some of the Christmas trees? I'm not saying that you buy, but I'm just saying long term, are we looking at problems? Well, I think um, all trees or, you know, the, um, the the agriculture, DEFRA and things are obviously always keeping an eye out mm. for different things. I mean, they're... Uh, there, there are restrictions on imports of trees to try protecting against various insects. Um, but um, I, I think, interestingly, if, you, if you've got sort of like the British pest, then you've often got British uh, predators as well. I mean, the ladybird is a good predator for uh, insects. So, um, uh, But there are sometimes various diseases which you then do have to look out for and take action to mm. Um, mm. Uh, eliminate, really. Is there any figures on how many trees are actually grown and sold in the UK, roughly? Well, we, we estimate that between uh, six and eight million real trees are sold in the UK a year. Yeah. And again, another estimate is that 75% of those are now probably homegrown. That's a very high number. I mean, I, I just can't get over that because I think 30 years ago it would have been not below 50, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the number of imports is, is reducing. And again, the um, the growers, I think partly because of the association, people working together, they try different things, they learn from each other, and they, they are getting you know very good at growing the trees now. And that's what's important, because if you get a good tree, you'll go back and back and back and buy the same from the same source, won't you? Yeah, I think most people go to the same source each time, as long as they're happy with the tree. And actually, the tree does become part of a tradition. Um, a lot of people will keep going back. They'll take their children with them. And, uh, you know, I, I know for, for ourselves that um, you even get the, um, 
the children coming back with their children as well, really, when you've done it long enough. And it just becomes a very good tradition and the start of uh, Christmas, really. Now, let's just talk through, because we hear a lot of, a lot of uh, remarks about how you shouldn't have... You know, even people argue that they should have a plastic tree or, a, you know, a, an artificial tree against a real one because we cut the tree. Now, how do you think about that? Well, the, the artificial ones, um, I mean, normally contain oil and, and the like, plastic, um, and obviously the oil comes out of the ground, which is where you've got the carbon coming from, really. Yeah. So, um, so, so that's obviously bad, and obviously when an artificial tree is finished with, it lands up in a landfill site. With, with a cut tree, the beauty of a cut tree is that... Um, if you're looking at buying a six-foot, six, seven-foot cut tree, then what people don't realise is there's another possibly up to ten trees growing at different heights so that next year when you come back for your six-foot tree, there's another tree that's grown, shall we say, a foot to, to make it six-foot tall. So actually buying a cut tree means that there's probably another you know, nine trees coming up behind it ready to take its place. So it's actually good for the environment to buy a cut tree rather than what some people will think of as being bad for the environment. And we're hearing, you know, during these election times that, you know, all the parties, and I, I can glibly say that, all the parties are suggesting that we plant more and more trees. So although we're planting Christmas trees, is there, I mean, in some ways, there's no different from planting Christmas trees and just cutting them, say, every 10 years or so, than there is in planting woodland, which again would be cut in so many years, wouldn't it? That's right. I mean, uh, the Christmas tree again is grown for the purpose of giving people a nice tree in their home, a nice Christmas spirit, and other trees, as you say, are grown for timber or, or you know, woodland management in some way. So, Christmas trees, and as I say, buying a real cut tree is really good for the environment. And of course, while it's growing. You've got the, uh, you know, the birds and the bees and the, the animals sort of living in the trees as well. So it's, a, it's an all-round winner, far better than the uh, artificial tree. Now, there's a rumour I've heard as well that you could argue that it's carbon neutral. That's right. I mean, <laughs> um, I mean that's, that's a, you know, I mean, we keep quoting carbon this and carbon that and carbon neutral. But, I mean, are they carbon neutral? Well, we... Um, if you go to the carbontrust.org and do a search on Christmas trees and probably recycling, uh, that website there, and they are um, you know, an independent organisation, say that if you actually burn your tree after Christmas, it's carbon neutral. Um, most people, though, rather than burning it, will probably be putting out for the council. To yeah. collect. Sometimes they'll do a special service or they'll be cutting it up and putting it into their green bin, or they'll be taking it down to their council recycling site, and the Christmas tree then is chopped up or shredded, and it becomes... Uh, compost. compost again, doesn't it? So it's so completely recycled. I mean, it's an all-round winner, but as I say, some people only think, um, oh, it's a tree being cut, and don't realise how good it is, really. So could you argue then that a cut tree is better for the environment than even a potted tree? Or is it, I suppose it depends what you do with the potted tree, doesn't it? Yeah, it depends what you do with the potted tree. I think, it, I think it's more a matter of choice in some ways. I mean, if you 
want a nice tall tree, then you're going to and a nice bushy tree, you're going to have to go for a cut tree. And in doing that, that's good for the environment and you know you've done something good. Similarly, if you want a smaller tree, a, a pot-grown tree, and you like the idea of trying to plant it out after Christmas and seeing if you can get it to continue growing and things, then that's good as well. It, it's whichever you want, but both ways um, you're doing good anyway by buying a real tree. I'll tell you what, that's really interesting. Now, can have, you've got a, I know you've got a website. Is there information on there for people to have a look at? Yeah, the, the, the website is bctga.co.uk. And if people go on to that and uh, select buy a tree and enter their postcode, it will bring up members close to them. Yeah. And um, uh, also uh, where they can go and uh, have a look and select a tree. But also on the website, there will be things like types of trees so they can look at the different types of tree which may be available. And there's some tips on there about... Um, making sure you keep the tree nice and watered so it keeps uh, fresh over the Christmas period. I think that's all fantastic information. And, Harry, thank you very much for joining us today and talking Christmas trees. And uh, I like the carbon neutral bit. I think that is fantastic to think that if I have a cut tree that I'm, I'm looking after the environment as well. Well, what I hope all your listeners go out and buy a real tree and have a nice real Christmas sitting around the tree, a nice family festive activity. Thank you very much Happy indeed. Happy Christmas to everyone. I'll be back to your calls, texts and emails in just a little while, but let's take a final look at some of the ideas I've got for you this week. And one of it, it really annoys me that when you read a gardening magazine or you listen to some of the gardening tips, that they're so old-fashioned. Put your mower away. See that it's cleaned. Send it in for a service. Seriously, the weather out there, OK, this weekend is frosty. Last weekend it was wet, but we do get dry weeks and dry weekends when we could mow that lawn. And the lawns still grow at above three or four degrees. And in fact, we've been cutting grass in the last fortnight ourselves as well. So don't put that mower away as suggested. No, you don't have to. You do not pack the garden away at this time of the year. It doesn't stop growing. You can see penstemons still flowering in people's gardens. Roses still flowering. Well, why cut them all back if you've got flowers on them? Don't do that. Just enjoy them. It's so, so important. And it's something I get really angry about when you look at what you should be doing in the garden. I read another one this week. Clean off your tools ready for winter. Repair tools for winter. What a load of old rubbish. You don't stop gardening in November, December, do you? Of course you don't. Anyway, moving on, something we can do that we do at this time of the year, and that's clean that greenhouse down. Go through it with disinfectant, clean it all off. That's if you don't keep stuff in there through the winter period, this is. If you've finished with it, clean it at this time of the year, and then we give it another clean in the spring, ready to plant stuff into it. That's if you're running a cold greenhouse. Don't forget some of those tips on plants you need to take care of. And so often in this day and age, we can put plants close to walls, close to fences, in corners. You don't necessarily have got to have a cold greenhouse to look after some of those more tender plants. But be ready for lots of fleece, because if we get a really cold winter, you will have to tuck them into a shed, tuck them in the back of the garage. But of course, don't keep them in 
uh, areas with no light for too long. See ya. That's my grumbles for the week and a few tips thrown in there as well. Hello, George. Hi. Talking... Okay, all right. Yeah, we're talking apple trees. Is that right, yeah, George? Uh, yes, uh, I've got a potted one, and I've had, I had some good uh, good apples on it this this year. Yeah. But I want to transplant it into the garden. Is that okay? Yes, and it's a good time to do it right now. Well, you Is know, it? yes, any time now. As long as, I mean, we talk about frost, but frost today was just frost on well, the top. Don't yes, worry yes. about frost. We never turn frost into the ground, so be careful if there is a frosty morning. That when you're planting, you never actually take that frosty ground and drop it in the bottom of the hole. Yeah. Um, but you, at the moment, the frosts aren't that heavy and it will be ideal for you to plant it right now. Great. Thank you, Ken. All right. Oh, yeah, and just use a, bit of compo- use a bit of compost, but don't drop yeah. the compost in the hole. Mix the compost with the soil that you're going to put back in. Yeah. And then just put a cross stake, a little cross stake on it just to stop it shaking about. Because if you oh, can estab- yeah. Yeah. it establishes the roots... The top will then grow well. Yeah. Oh, super, super. Thank you. Okay. No problem Thank at all. You. Okay. Bye bye. All the very best. And there you are. That's the apple tea from George and Canvey and Beryl from Hertfordshire. Hello, Beryl. Hello, dear. Well, I'm going to say, you know, all the Christmas trees that aren't used after Christmas. Yeah. The Safari Wildlife Park at Roxbourne. Yeah. They have all the, uh, what's the name, the trees for the lions and the tigers to eat. Oh. It's been I'd... done. It's been done for years now. See, that's really good. It's another way of recycling your Christmas tree, yes, isn't it? Yes, yeah. And they're only, only too grateful, you know, for anybody. Oh. They're always grateful, you know. So, yeah. Yeah, I thought I'd let you know that. That's very nice to hear from you as well. Thank oh, you very thank much you. indeed. Thank you, dear. Okay. Thanks for your lovely garden program. It's <laughs> a pleasure, Beryl. Keep listening. Having trouble identifying this plant, thought it was a variety of Rudebeckia, but it doesn't have the fibrous root system. It grows from tubers and gets to only seven feet. So we got another email here with uh, pictures. Um, I would have said it's one of the Rudebeckias as well, actually. So I'm a bit confused on that one. Um, I'll have to look into that a bit more when I got a bit more time. Um, so that's what we need to look at. I must confess that I'm not a good gardener, but what has happened? No, it's not me. This isn't. This is Patrick. He's looking for strong onions. He finds that when he buys strong onions, they're not strong. I don't get that. Why is an onion not strong? They're the varieties that are grown in the UK and abroad and now the same varieties that have been growing for years. So I don't actually understand that. What I would suggest is he goes out and buys some onion sets in the spring. I think that would be his easiest job if you're not, a, you said you're, you confess to not being a good gardener. Go out and buy some onion sets in the spring. It's too late for overwintering ones now. Buy some in the spring and grow them. And you can grow those in pots. You, as long as the pots are large, you could grow them in pots, but they'd be much better in the ground. And they, they grow really well. So they are. There's what I would do. Go out and get some sets. Talking of which, I haven't put my, you know, I haven't put my garlic in yet. I should have done that in November, and I'm nearly in December. Bad lad. <sighs> Nothing like growing your old, uh, your old uh, garlic. Nice to see it coming up, and then all you have to do is uh, pull them out, separate them up, let them dry on a rack, as I did this year, and then of course you can actually grow them. Don't forget that number to call. You can squeeze a couple of calls in on 0800 111 41. That's the number to call. Um, 
Thomas in Clacton has Gritolinia hedge. It's been planted in a new area of builders. In other words, I think he's in a, yeah, no, he's in a new build and they planted him a hedge of it, Gritolinia. Um, however, he's in Clacton. Now, if you're in Clacton, um, you've got, depends where you are, but you've got the chance of getting a bit of a sea breeze. Now, we must say that uh, salt is something that Grisolinia generally can handle quite well. If you don't know what Grisolinia is, it's an evergreen shrub stroke hedging plant. Um, it grows it grows with a small, well, small, a green leaf about two inches long and about an inch wide, fairly thick leaf. Now, if you're getting brown edges, it's being damaged by something. Now, what I would be very wary of is if the... the um, if the ground is laying too wet, often does on new building sites. Uh, so have a look for that and see whether it's laying a little bit wet. If it is laying a bit wet, um, there's not too much you can do about it unless you dig in a bit of grit into the ground around the gristle in your hedge, but that's not always that easy. Um, other than that, watch out in the spring and give it a bit of um, a bit of love and attention in the spring. Give it a good liquid feed in the spring and try and boost it along. And I hope that's helped you along on that one. Uh, talking, we're going to go to Chris in St. Odith in just a moment. But also, um, I'm sorry to hear that Mike in Clacton has uh, damaged his collarbone and he's saying that he, I'm giving advice on mowing the lawn, but he won't be able to get out and do any gardening at the moment because he's he's damaged his collarbone. So I'm sorry, very sorry to hear about that. Um, my answer would be sit indoors, watch a few gardening programmes, and perhaps you'll pick up a few hints for the coming year. So they are. Hope that's helped you. Might have cheered you up anyway to get a mention. That's Mike in Frinton-on-Sea. Now let's go back to the phones, and we said we'd go to St. Osef. Chris, what you got for us, Chris? Hello. Um, well, it's about my sister. I mean, my father's gone all his life. Yeah. Uh, but uh, my sister's followed on. She's 80-something. Yeah. Um, just moved this year, and she's moved to a garden which is not um, enclosed. Uh-huh. Um, and But she's got a lovely, friendly badger. Oh, right. Like, like her bulbs. Yes. Um, so she's had to move a lot and uh, move the pots around and everything. Uh, dug the ones up at the ground, at the pots. and But is there any deterrent you can think of? There is. Badgers? No, there is sad, there's sadly no deterrent for badgers. Once, some people say that if you feed the badger with, say, old apples and bits like that, you can keep them from digging up your bulbs. The only thing you can try doing is putting wire netting or netting over the areas that you've planted with bulbs, and that's all you can do. Um, you know, with, they used to say about um, foxes. I yep. remember when I was a child, I'm, I'm 73 now, and I remember um, being the Isle of Wight, um, I think the male pea used to keep the foxes away from the end of the... Well, they do say that on some occasions. I honestly don't know, and if anybody does know, they can give us a call, can't they, and let us know. How about that? Would that help, Chris? Of course it would. 
But uh, I don't know whether weeing around your garden will start a male. It has to be a male as well. So if it keeps badgers away, let us know. Yvonne in Kelverdon, what are we talking about? Roses? Yes, please, Ken. What would you like I've, to know? I've got some new roses still in the pots that they came in. Uh-huh. Recently received. Together with some cuttings that I've done myself. Lovely. Which is in small pots. Do they need protection? During the frosty weather? The answer is no. Um, as long as... Let's go for the roses in the pots. When are you going to get them in the ground? Oh, possibly not till the spring. Any reason for that? Because they'd be better in the ground than in the pot. The pre- problem is my health doesn't allow me to be right. in okay. the Right, OK. So if you're going to keep them in the pot, keep them yeah. somewhere a little bit sheltered, put them against a wall or a fence. Yes. Yeah. Um, and the most important thing is that you, A, don't let the potted ones dry out completely, but that's, that does not mean water them heavily. No. Just they've got to be moist. So it's rain, so you don't have to worry. The, right. the little cuttings, the cuttings, again, need a bit more protection and ideally don't have them standing directly on the ground in case we get very hard frost because then the the actual pot will freeze together and you might get some damage to the roots. But other than that, no problem at all. Thank you, Ken. Okay, then. That's lovely. That's Yvonne. And we go to David in Battlesbridge. Hello, David. What's up with your lawn? Hello, Ken. I couldn't feed it earlier on because of ill health. I'm just wondering whether it's too late to feed it now. As they say, the weather's going to be decent this week. Well, the trouble is this week, the weather's decent, but it's cold overnight. Yeah. Now, that's a downside. I always think that grass seed is so cheap, it's one of the cheaper products that we buy, it's not that expensive, that to me it's worth taking a risk with grass seed. And I generally... What? Not grass seed, feed. Autumn feed. Oh, autumn feed. Oh, sorry. I thought you said seed. No. <laughs> autumn feed. Right. Let's go for autumn feed then. Is it too late to put autumn feed down? Um, no. I would put autumn feed down as long as frost is not predicted. Yeah. Because it will slowly go into the it will slowly go into the lawn ground. And remember, it's mainly feeding the roots. And the roots, with yeah. the ground still warm, will still work at this time. Yeah, and the grass is still growing. So, so. It is, it is, yeah. We're still cutting grass, aren't we? Yes, it still grows fast. It does. No, <laughs> give it a feed. So as long as there's not a frost, yep. I'm all right feed it. That's it. Go for right. it. Okay. Thank you very much, Kate. Okay, David, that's David from Battlesbridge, and we go to Carol in Bobbingworth. Hello, Carol. Oh, hello, Ken. Um, I've been listening to you advising to not feed houseplants at this time of year. That's right. Uh, What about um, Christmas cactuses that are in flower and also our poinsettias that we've just bought? The poinsettias, people, you can buy a poinsettia feed and it just gives it a bit of a boost to keep it through the Christmas period. And it's the same It's the same with the flowering um, Christmas cacti, and it will be the same with an orchid. You're just giving it a little bit of a boost. But generally, green plants and established house plants, because the light level is so low, 
they're not growing at all. They're just really sitting there waiting for spring. So generally, we, we feed houseplants in the spring to encourage them into growth. That's what we right. do. Does right. that make okay. sense to you? Yes, yes, but I shouldn't use my normal feed that I normally use. Well, is it a house... What are you using? Baby bio. I know that you no. can reduce the strength. Maybe yes. just to reduce strength. No, you could do and that. And the most, the most important thing, honestly, Carol, is that you don't overwater. That does yes. more harm to houseplants yeah. than anything else at all. Right. So yeah. that's, that's the thing you've got to be careful of. Right, lovely. Thanks right. a lot, Ken. Thank you. That's a pleasure. And that's uh, Carol from Bobbingworth, who's the last caller for today. And uh, we've had an interesting time, particularly on Christmas trees. Um, lots of very useful in- information from the Christmas Tree Association because uh, not enough people realise that actually how much good a Christmas tree is doing to the environment. And I think that that is not publicised enough. I really do. You know, cut trees is a crop that farmers should be encouraged to grow. And even better, I mean, if you weren't tuning into us earlier, I mean, to think that 75% of the Christmas trees sold in the UK are now British grown is really something to be very, very proud of. Thanks very much for listening to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. If you missed any of the answers to the questions we gave, you can download this programme. Take it with you on the BBC Sounds app. Don't forget, if you've got a gardening question, join us next week and give us a call on 0800 4041 and be part of the programme. Yes, every Saturday morning here on BBC Essex, gardening from 11. 